Praise the Lord. The Lord's good. So much going on. Great testimonies, right? Amen. Did you enjoy those? And the worship, man. Don't you love the Holy Spirit? Yes. So, all right. I don't know. I had this conversation the other day speaking of Matthew Bolger. Most of y'all know Matthew. Uh, he's the pastor at River Life Chapel here. He was a he was here. Uh, Matthew Bollinger, when I first met him back in the 90s, he came into the church on crutches with a little baby in his arm uh, out of a broken marriage. A very broken man. Okay? He, that's how my first uh, meeting of Matthew Bollinger. Uh, long story short, God began to move in his life. And one day we were doing something. I don't know what we were doing at church. We were doing something. Okay, and Matthew got up and shared something, and these young people flocked to the altar. And I was amazed at the anointing on his life. I thought, wow, this guy's amazing. And, uh, and a few months later, uh, he, he was a school teacher. Uh, and he came to me and said, they're not going to renew my contract school to teach again. I said, oh, that's too bad. Well, if they don't want you, I want you. So as I was saying, I was thinking, why am I saying that? <laughs> I can't do nothing with you. <laughs> but I didn't say that to him. <laughs> Lord bless him. Well, he came back a couple weeks later and said, what do you want me to do? <laughs> In other words, you said you wanted to hire me. <laughs> we need a youth pastor, man. And so Matthew became the youth pastor. That's sort of how it happened. It wasn't like real strategic and, you know, it was just sort of one of those times where God, yeah, God intervened and took over and we just kind of like stumbled into it. But there was an amazing move of the Lord with young people that he, you know, that he led and that he oversaw. It was just an amazing time. It was just, it was glorious. And, you know, when the Lord's moving amongst young people, it touches the adults. Because what adult wouldn't want to see teenagers? Get on fire for Jesus. I mean, it was just beautiful, and you know, and somehow uh, that began. You know, it went on for about three years, really. Lots of young people saved and touched by the Lord. Um, a lot of young, in the young, the youth group had a hundred people in it at one time. Isn't that amazing? It's a powerful move of the Lord. And, well, you know, that kind of started. That wave started going down, and Matthew somehow conned Marlon into taking over being the youth pastor <laughs> so he could become the associate pastor. Uh, and then eventually the Lord convinced him that he was supposed to go to Chapel Hill and start a church, which he did. Okay, so that's Matthew Bollinger. Uh, and they're doing really great. Really, I'm really proud of them. Honestly, what they're doing, but I'm telling you all this just so I can welcome everybody into this conversation about what I want to share with you. Because we were having a conversation, Matthew and I, this week about a church. You know, pastors talk about church. They and they, everybody, you see church different than I see church. Okay, you're supposed to. You know, I see it a whole different way than you see it. But um, we were talking. He was asking me about the church here about how the church was doing. And I was saying, well, Matthew, I think the church here is doing really, really well. I think it's really healthy, okay? And I'm really blessed by what the Lord's doing here. I said, we don't, it's not like we have like a revival here. But the church, and he said, Byron, I remember the time when we used to sit around, and this was our conversation. 
if God, if we don't have a move of God, we don't have a revival or something, we're terrible at church. We're only good at church if there's something extraordinary going on. God has did something. God's done something. He shifted something. Where we went from being people who couldn't do church without some extraordinary thing happening. Mm-hmm. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Amen. One of the most heartbreaking things that I have experienced, and I've been in a lot of moves of God since I've been a believer. I, we were born again into a move of God, and when it stopped, we were like astounded about how terrible it was. <laughs> Like, this is what we signed up for. We didn't sign up for this. We signed up for this other thing. We didn't understand it was, you know what I'm saying? But uh, one of the most heartbreaking things is to be in a move of the Lord where God's moving and people are excited and people are getting touched. People are getting blasted by the Spirit of the Lord. Things are happening. But then that move begins to wane down as it always has in history. As always, it's like a wave. It comes in, it's beautiful, but then it starts ebbing away. And then people do amazingly terrible things. A lot of people's heart grows cold. There's churches that have been destroyed by revivals. That was never, never was God's intent. God's intent is for fruit that remains, right? And so whenever God moves, God's always looking for something besides just the revival portion of that. And and so I want you to track with me on this, okay? I want you to hear what I'm telling you this morning because there really has been a shift in the spirit. And God wants us to track with what he's doing, period. He wants us to track with him when there's a, a mighty move of God and he wants us to track with him when it seems quiet or a lot quieter than we would like for it to be. And so we're going to thrive. We can thrive. You know, the Bible declares that those who... You know, Psalm 1, that if you're, if you're a person who seeks to counsel the Lord, who, who wants to live in the wisdom of God, you can be tr- like a tree planted by the waters. And in times of drought, in times when there's not a mighty move, not an awakening, you can prosper. You don't have to go down. You don't have to become a lukewarm person. You don't have to do that. None of us do. We are all guilty of that. No question. But God is trying to grow a people up where we can be fruitful in all the seasons of life, where we can prosper regardless of whether God's moving in power or God's being quiet. And God's looking for a people who are willing to walk that out with Him. Because there's going to be times of process. There's times of process in your life. There's times where you're walking it out, putting one foot in front of the other, and then there's times when the wind of the Spirit or the river of God grabs you and pushes you and, and propels you forward. We would love to live in the propelling part. I don't know about you. That's what I love. I know a lot of people don't because it's out of control, right? And we love to control. And God sometimes wants to take control. We need to be wise enough to let go. When he says let go. We need to be wise enough to get out of the way when he says move and wise enough to get up and do what he tells us to when he says get up and do something. God's trying to bring us into that. Are y'all with me? Yes. Yeah, mercy Jesus. So let me read these two verses here to you. Help Lord. This is not an easy message for me to do. Okay? Uh, this, this is hard. And I've struggled with this. More than normal. I always struggle, but you know. <laughs> God is always good, so I'm trusting the Lord. 
this is also uh, Isaiah 6, 8 through 9. Isaiah had this amazing encounter with the Lord. I shared it with you a few weeks ago, I think. You may not remember. I remember it very well. An amazing encounter where the only two times in the Bible where it talks, these words is used, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God. Once Isaiah had this, and then once in the book of Revelation, he was brought up to the highest of heaven and saw something that just stunned him, just undid him. You know, we all need that. Not many people get that. I don't believe many of us are going to get that. I've never got that. I've never been brought up. Paul, Paul, the apostle, alluded to it, but he wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't talk about it. He didn't even have, I don't believe Paul is brilliant and as amazing as he was. He even had the language to talk about what he saw. It was beyond his ability even. He just said, you know, 2 Corinthians 12, I just was it called the third heaven. He's talking about the highest heaven. So there's not a lot of us are going to get there until we actually go there. When this life on earth is over with, we'll get there one day. You know, but we all have had, we, and we all can have or should have experiences on a lower level of that where God wants to bring us into the spirit realm and see, help us to see something, experience something. Because it was powerful to us, Isaiah. And, but the amazing thing, here's, here's, if you don't, and I said this, but I can't get away from it. I can't get away that, that God is looking for something different now than he was looking for the last time God moved. We're talking about these things. This is amazing, but God's looking for something different today. He, he's looking to bring us into a greater place. He's, he's trying to expand us. He's trying to give us the capacity to hold more of him and his purposes. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who are willing to go. And I think many of you have submitted to the pro- to the process. Yeah. Uh, knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly, you've walked in through this process. It's not all. It's not a fun process. A lot of it's not. But I don't want to talk about the unfun part. <laughs> so, anyways, he had this amazing encounter, saw stuff, and, and was just broken. He was a broken man. There's so much value. And coming to a place like he came to, a place of brokenness in his heart, a place when he looked at his life, Dean alluded to it, where he saw something about his life, where he saw some futility in his life. That's a beautiful place to come to. Let me read this. I heard the voice of the Lord. Also, that's what he said, also. He shared this glorious thing, verse few. I'm not even going to read that. Y'all know it. He shared this beautiful thing that happened. Verses 1 through 7, Isaiah 6. Then he said, also. See, that's a big word. That's a beautiful word. Because I think sometimes we've not picked up the also. We've had the beautiful encounter. We've had the amazing experience of worship or whatever it was. But we forgot there was an also attached to it. Are y'all hearing me? There's an also to all of this. There's something else that God's looking for from His people. He's not just looking for us to get caught up into the third heaven or get caught up in whatever it is we're caught up in with God, which is beautiful. He wants that. He desires it. But there's an also attached to it. And I feel like we're in the time when God is saying, I want to add an also to your life. I want to add an also also to your life. 
I want to take what you have, the glorious things you've experienced, but I want to put an also on it. And then I want to fill that also in for you. I think it's one of the downfalls of the church is we haven't got into the also. Yeah. Just, just say it. Are y'all hanging with me? He said, I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send? He heard something from God's heart. See, he was in a position to hear. Why was he in a position to hear? Because there was this brokenness that had come on him. And it positioned him to hear something he wasn't hearing before. See, Isaiah, he didn't just start out. This wasn't his first day on the job as being a prophet. He had five chapters of being a prophet. Isaiah prophesied through many kings. And I've tried to find out. This is, I can't find it. I found one person that said it was 10 years. I found one person that said it was 20 years. I found one person that said it was a year. I'm thinking it's somewhere between one and 20 years. Those five chapters. I know there's some brilliant person out there who's figured this out. I just can't, I can't find it. That's kind of important to me. You know? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of important that he's down the road, whether it's a year or 20 years, he's been a prophet, he's been prophesying to kings, he's been speaking amazing things, and then he has this encounter with the Lord, and it shifted his ministry. It completely shifted his life. That's kind of important. These things, I pray, <coughs> y'all y'all who are saying these things, I pray a shift happens to you. It, the tragedy is, it's for God to speak to you on any level, and nothing changes. That's tragic. That's a tragic day in all of our lives, and I think we've all had that. We've all had that. And the Lord wants to come and pick you up by the hands, like, come on, man. There's more to this. There's more to this. There's a lot more to this. Lord, help me. I heard Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? See, he was catching on God's heart. Then I said, here I am, send me. What a crazy. If you're caught up the Lord, you'll tell the Lord anything. He knows that. That's why he'll get, do all this crazy stuff with you. Touch you. Get your emotions broken. Get your, get your heart full of love and full of passion. That's what he does. Oh, come on, I love you. You're awesome. You're beautiful. Look how glorious I am. Don't you love it? Oh, yeah. Well, I've got something that needs to be done. I'll do it. I'll just do it. Tell me what it is. Oh, you don't want to know what it is. Read the rest of the chapter. You'll find out. Oh, oh, he actually said that. You, you read on, and the Lord said, you're going to be prophesying to people, and you're going to listen to a word you have to say. And I said, wait a minute now. Did I sign up for that? And then he said, well, how long is this going to happen, Lord? You're in it for a while. Anybody want to minister like that? Anybody? And he said, go and tell these people, keep on, this is what he said, keep on hearing, but do not understand, keep on seeing, and do not perceive. That was Isaiah's ministry. You know, and so that's what he did. But, you know, I mentioned to you about the holiness. I just want to say it again because it's so important. Is God's holiness is fire. Okay? The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. And when we start getting in touch with that level, a greater level of the presence of the Lord, it is a fire, and that fire will burn. Amen. 
That fire will burn you. That fire has the potential of damaging you. That fire has the potential of changing your life. Okay? It just depends on what you want to do with that fire. Are y'all with me? Our God, but uh, the beautiful thing about it is, I love this, and I'll read this verse to you. This is on the road to Emmaus. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And they said, these are two people after Jesus walked with them on the road. Y'all know the story, the road to Emmaus. The beautiful story of two people disappointed and discouraged in life because Jesus didn't turn out the way they thought he was, right? I love that story because I'm in there. I'm one of those people disappointed. I'm one of those people discouraged. I'm one of those people we were thinking, we were hoping, we were believing, and nothing turned out, and this guy's dead, and now what are we going to do? Right? We're all, we've all walked down the road to a maze. It's just a beautiful story, but after all these beautiful things happen, you know, Jesus appears, and he disappears, and amazing thing. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us? Within us. While he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us. See, that's what God wants to do. See, I love the experience of that fire coming on me and feeling. I literally felt his fire on my face for weeks. I felt this burning on the side of my face. You know what happened? That fire changed places. It went from my face to in me. Burning within us. See, that's what God wants to do. There's a fire in everybody in this room. There is a fire in you. Already, you may not be in touch. God wants to get you in touch with that fire. He wants you to get you in touch where you feel it, where you sense it. And when you realize that fire, fire requires something. Fire requires a response. Fire, fire, you can't ignore fire. If you walk into your house and there's a fireplace, you're going to pay attention to it. You're not going to, just, you're not going to leave the house with the fireplace burning unless, unless you're not wise. I mean, I talked to you about little boys. Remember I talked about little boys who love to play in the fire? All little boys love to play in the fire. You know, I'm a little boy. I like to play in the fire. You know, it's good. It's a good thing to play in the Holy Ghost fire. But God's telling us, little boy, you need to grow up and start tending to the fire. And start monitoring the fire, taking care of the fire. Whew. Let me tell you the other thing that's so powerful. Now, this is repetitive. I've said all this to y'all. You don't remember probably, but that's not my problem. <laughs> I remember. The other thing is the repentance thing. I'm telling y'all, repentance is wonderful. Repentance is awesome. It is not what we thought it was. It is better than we thought it was. It's more beautiful. This is what Paul said about repentance. <laughs> Listen to this. For godly sorrow produces repentance. Godly sorrow is one of the most beautiful things that could ever happen to us. Where we, like Isaiah, we feel sorry about our state of where we've been. We feel sorry that we let Facebook consume our thoughts. Instead of the word of God consuming our thoughts. We feel a God, that was a godly sorrow working on it. We need godly sorrow in our life. Because it produces something beautiful. It says it produces repentance. Listen to this. Leading to salvation. Saved, healed, and delivered. It leads to healing. It leads to deliverance. It leads to salvation. It leads to your family being touched. It leads to your friends being touched. Are y'all following this? It's a beautiful thing. And then he says this amazing thing. Not to be regretted. 
not to be regretted. We will never regret when godly sorrow comes into our life. We will never regret true repentance. We might regret our repentance is brought into us by condemnation, like we've done so dumb, we thought we could do something out of our own self. But when the Holy Spirit's involved, when God's involved, we won't regret it. And we need to get God involved. God wants to be involved. He is involved, but He wants to somehow draw us into this thing where we see repentance as a wonderful thing in our life. And that we begin to repent a lot, like all the time. Where we're thinking about things like, oh gosh, I wish I would have. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for not paying attention to my child. And being the parent, forgive me for disrespecting my boss. Forgive me for speaking bad about that. It just when all that, when you start getting that kind of stuff all the time, you're in a good place. Because you won't regret that. That's what God's doing. I've been talking to some people. I've been talking to people. I've been listening to people. I told you that. Listen. Here I'm hearing people talking about repenting. I'm hearing people talking about repenting. Not for bad, like, well, there may be a couple people that said they repented of something they shouldn't have, like bad things, like, you know, bad, bad things. The things that we would all say, no, don't be doing that. They can get you in jail. Somebody's husband's going to kill you. (laughs) Those are those things. But I'm talking about just, like I said, I didn't give enough attention to my children. I ignored them. I was too proud of myself. And what was going on in my life? What a, what a terrible thing. Lord, I'm so sorry. And Father would ever do that with your child. That's a good day when you come to that. Because then it releases the Holy Spirit to do the work on your children yeah. to do what you missed. Yeah. To put into them what you couldn't do in your family. It releases God. Lord help me, right? Y'all right? I'm gonna, I gotta hurry up. So much of this, you know, so much good the Lord wants to do. And the Lord is doing it. And, and you may be thinking, well, I'm not catching on this yet. You will be. I promise you, if you will be, if you will let God, if you just let Him, stuff's, God's going after different people. It's, it's, all, it's different for each one of us. It's personal. You know? But God wants to. To engage you. No, he don't want anybody left out. He wants to gather. That's what he does. He wants to gather you to himself. He wants to do something powerful. He wants to bring that fire. He wants to get you in contact with the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of you. He, he may lay that fire on you for a while. You may walk around and feel fire on you. And every time you think about it, you, you feel like you're, you, you had your face up against a, a hot stove. It's hot and it feels red to you. You may feel that for a while. That's a good feeling. So, this is one thing he said, who will go for us? That was, remember I said a few weeks ago that the Lord started speaking to me about Acts, A-C-T-S. Y'all don't remember, do you? Oh, yeah, it was powerful. And he's still speaking to me. This phrase, who will go for us? See, this is what God's looking for. That question is still out there. Who will go for us? U-S. Big U-S. Big U-S. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity. Um, and I'll tell you, this is what he told me. There's a resurrection of hope at work right now. I'm talking about true hope. I'm not talking about trying to be hopeful 
or trying to be bought. I'm talking about if you will allow the Holy Spirit, there will, your life will become more colorful. Suddenly your future will seem like it's going to be a good future. There was a time in my life I went through a hard season that lasted years. My future didn't look great to me. That's how I felt. Well, I knew I was going to heaven, but I felt like what I was going through was going to last forever. So I accepted something. Remember I told you, I accepted something. I accepted a life. I accepted a dream. I accepted a vision that was not God. Okay? I accepted that. And so when God began to do this in me last year, I noticed one of the fruits of my life has been hope restored, hope resurrected. Life looks for color again. The possibilities are there. The potential is there. There's things there that I couldn't see before. They didn't have the color. They were dark. And I wasn't motivated. But when you begin to see that, officially ruined. <laughs> I just feel an impartation of hope right now in the room. So stand up if you want that. Just take a little break. He's got plenty of time to finish that message. <laughs> I think you should give it, honey. You're the one that got it. So. <laughs> resurrection of hope. If you feel like your hope was diminished in life, because of life, because of hurt, because of disappointment, because of sin, because of fear, you name it, look, take the list out and name it. God wants to resurrect that hope for you today. So Father, thank you for hope. Lord, just, we just ask you right now to release, release hope into these people. Release the hope of who you are, the hope of your calling. Release it today. That people would be renewed in hope. They begin to see again. They would begin to see in color again. The black and white would go away. They would begin to see potential. Lord, where everybody else sees disaster, they would see potential. They would see a way that God wants in. Lord, just release that. Baptize us in hope today. Immerse us in the hope of Jesus Christ. Just release it. Just release it now, Lord. Release it on everybody in this room who's lost hope, who's given up hope, who's walked away from hope. Give it to them, Lord. I pray they wouldn't be able to walk out the door today and be grabbed by it. Even those who resist this, who really don't even believe in this, I pray today they'd get it anyway. Lord, you trick them into hope. You changed your life, Lord. We sang the song this morning. We sing the song, Lord, let me see. Give me vision to see what you see. Oh, Lord, that's hope. When you start seeing it, Lord, just release that to people. You want them to have it. You're our wisdom. You're our vision, Lord. You're our dream, Lord. Just release that. Just release that today, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You can say that, but you know, that's why I talked about faith a little bit a few weeks ago. 
because you can't have faith if you don't have hope. You know? And so you'll, what will happen to you, you'll know your hope is, is that being activated when your faith is being activated. Faith is going to work in life. So that phrase, the hope of his calling, it comes out of Ephesians, uh, that we might know. Ephesians chapter 1, verse, starting verse 17, where Paul prayed this amazing prayer to the Father of glory, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, to know Him, and that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, goes on to say, that we might know, and talk about three things, and one of them is the hope of His calling. And see, what happens in a person's life is hope and calling are connected. Okay? Hope and calling are connected. When we begin to get in touch with hope, we begin to get in touch with our calling, with our purpose for life, that we are created, you know, for good works that we might walk in them. We start tapping in to, to our purpose. And, and everybody knows purpose you, you die without purpose. You, you, we're all created for purpose. There's been 10 million messages preached on that in the past. And probably needs to be 10 million more messages on purpose because we all have a purpose. We all have been created for something. And so when we begin to tap into that, life begins to shift. It's not about a calling to preach necessarily or a pastor or an evangelist. It, it could be that in many things. For a, for a dad, it's a calling to be a father. And when you begin to realize the power of a father or a mother, I mean, simple things, everyday things that we have let slide, everything shifts. God's a big God. Are y'all following that? He's a big God. Woo, Jesus. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing I wanted you to get. I'm not going to finish this message. Because <laughs> I don't have to rush And I can't do that. Because it's just too hard. Okay, to navigate it. Okay. Because it's too valuable to me personally. Because it's something God did in my life and I'm not willing to trample. Yeah, it's not willing to just throw it to, you know, and do a halfway job on it. So, but I do want you to get this because this is the important part, you know, about our calling, about our purpose, about our identity, all that stuff, all that good, beautiful stuff. Is, if God would offer you this, if He would offer you, like, listen, I'm willing to minimum as a minimum. Double your anointing. I'm willing as a minimum to double your impact. I'm as a minimum double. Not, I think it's more than double. I think it's, it could be times 10. Your effectiveness in life, I'm willing to double it as a minimum. Would you take him up on it? Would you say, oh, I'm in. I, I need a double anointing. I need double authority. I, I need a double vision. 
I need that. I need it in my everyday. I need a double power in my life as a parent. I need to double the power I have as a parent. I need to double that wisdom from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If God offered it to you, would you say, I'm in. I want it. Would you say that? Of course you would. You're not a dummy. Okay, but here's what your problem is. I've watched people, me included, at different times of my life. When he offers it, reject how he presents it. Reject how he presents it. Because it didn't look right. It didn't feel right. Did you know that's why Geisha Rowe wrote that book, Catch the Fire? Because people were disdaining a move of God that was radical, that was going to bring a revelation of God as a father to the body of Christ that they didn't really have in a big manner. He took the time to write a book to try to get people to see this is God's invitation for you to enter into something beautiful. That's why he wrote the book. He didn't write the book trying to capitalize on the move of God. He wrote a book trying to help people come into something amazing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Here's what my experience... See, okay, this is what I want you to hear, if nothing else. We all have an individual calling. We're Americans, except Forsyth. They're Canadians. I don't know if they think like we do. You're African. You're African. They think different. I promise you that. I can tell you one thing Africans have that Americans need is how they they understand honor way better than we do. Lauren's taught me more about honor than any other human being I've ever been on. Not necessarily what he said, but what he's done. Because I have never seen Lauren McGoosey dishonor anybody, even people that dishonored him. I actually saw Lauren one day walk away from a guy to keep from dishonoring him. So I'm thinking, I'm glad you did, Marlon, because you would have hurt that guy. <laughs> I didn't want to go out and get in between y'all. I'm just saying that. It's true. It happened. Marlon will justify. The guy's still in one piece. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. What was I trying to say? Let me give you this. We're all individuals. We have an individual call. We have an individual salvation. Okay? We really do. And it's beautiful. It's amazing. And we have given ourselves to that. But here's the thing. To get that increase, to get that double, times 10 anointing on your calling or you are going to have to do something. You're going to have to get beyond your individual self. Because God is, He reaches us as individuals, but He, well, here's what happened to me. I'll just explain it like this so you can get it. And this is not the only way God does it. But back, we had this move of the Lord we called the Holy Spirit River in the church. And some people in the church were having a hard time with it because it looked ridiculous at times. If you were just on the outside looking in, like, oh, please. Are y'all crazy? I mean, seriously. Just, just don't do this. We shouldn't be doing this in church. Go home and do it and probably go home. And that's what it would look if you're on the outside looking in. But if you're on the, if you're on the in, it looks completely different. So what happened to me was 
a few years, two or three years before that happened to our church, God began to, to speak to me about, he began to reveal himself to me as a father. Okay? And I, I, I was sort of, I was in process with that. I was processing it. I was going like this, one step in front of the other, one step in front of the other, one step in front when that river came in and I stepped into that real river, everything that God had been talking to me about two to three years earlier suddenly came together and went up at least times ten. I mean, it was amazing. I, it was, I was suddenly, suddenly when I was in that moment, I had this brilliance of revelation. And it's like all these little pieces came together in my life about God as a father. And suddenly I, I can look at the scriptures and read scriptures and, and pull out the most unusual places I've seen everywhere. And it was because suddenly I was immersed into something that was bigger than me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I was, I was, I was immersed in something. And a friend of mine who was really having a hard time, he said, this guy was a really amazing evangelist. He said, why should I do this? Why should I do that? Why should I do it? a really general question. That's what I told him. I said, here's what it is. You got your anointing. You got your calling. How would you like to increase the effectiveness? How would you like to multiply that? He said, I would. I said, that's why you should do it then. When you step into that, it's more, everything's multiplied. Everything's accelerated. God gets you where you're at. He gets you down the road real quick. He, he accelerates you. He brings you up. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's His job. That's how He wants. And so we see uh, revival and we see moves of God and we think it's crazy, but it's not because God's trying to do something in us and bring us to this great level. He wants to give us that times 10 on it. I believe it's at least times 10. And it, and it can really change your life. So, but that that's the part when I'm, that the Lord spoke to Isaiah. Who will go for us? Because it's not just about your experience. And that's the thing I want us to get. Because that's the thing on God's heart. He doesn't want us just to have a glorious experience. He's looking for people who will come out of that glorious experience and hear something. Hear His heart. And hear his passion. And hear his what he's motivated towards. And I don't have time to prove it this morning. But I can prove to you that the church in the last 50 years has had some amazing moves of God. But when we look at our culture and we look at our society, we've lost ground. We've lost ground. Why? That was my question. Why have we been so powerfully touched by God and have had amazing revelation given to us and prophets to impart to us and moves of God? Why is our culture so terrible? That was my question. I want to know, Lord, it looks like from the outside all of that failed. It didn't fail. It didn't fail. I believe in some ways it was all preparation. 
Okay? I believe in some ways it's been a preparation. Did you know this? I'm going, well, I got to quit. Well, I do want to tell you. I want you to know that God is going to add something to us. Because God in the end, okay, it says in Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church. That's what he said, and the gates of hell will not be Right? But if we look at that scripture today and in the United States of America, we would say the gates of hell is prevail. That's what we would say. Look at our country. I heard John Arnott. You know who John Arnott? Last year. Heard him. <laughs> Let me tell you this great story about John Arnott. One, and he came here years ago. I got to hang out with him some. My testimony was this the most secure man I have ever known in my entire life. I have never been around anyone who's as secure as that man. What God did in that revival made him a very secure human being. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's contagious. When you get around him, you, you realize, wow. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, life will make you feel insecure. But last, well, okay, there was a certain church that this prophet gave him a word that you're going to have a revival. And you need to get John Arnott to come and he'll release this revival in your church. This was a couple years ago or a year, a year or so ago. They called John Arnott. You know what he told him? I'm not doing that. That's too much pressure. So he told him, I ain't doing it. I can't do that. I didn't do the first one. <laughs> I ain't doing that. So they begged him. And finally he relented, I'll come, but I ain't guaranteed, there's no guarantees that it can be a revival. So we got invited to this meeting to go. You know, they do these meetings. You could go to one. Let me just tell you a little secret. You know when they have leadership meetings and pastors? If you want to go to one, go. I'm telling you, just go. If you want to, ain't nobody going to throw you out. Anyways, so we go to this meeting, and this is what John Walmart said. He said, I already know, don't mind. Talking about the Toronto blessing. He said, it wasn't enough. Look at our country, or look at your country. And he was including his. Canada, Canada's, Canada's got troubles. Every country has troubles. It wasn't enough. Obviously, God wants to do something else, do something more. Now, I'm saying that. In my generation, 20%, 20% of my generation did not believe or would not share the gospel with other people. They thought it was a personal thing. The generation that we call the millennial generation, 50% of them say they do not believe in sharing the gospel with other people. Now listen, that's absolutely contrary to the word of the Lord. A lot of that millennial generation are our children. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Something, God wants to shift something. See, we were very enthusiastic about revival and about renewal. And we still are, by the way. I want to make that clear. I'm very enthusiastic about that. I am constantly like, bring it on, Lord. Show up, disrupt, destroy everything that we thought was 
godly to have you. And we weren't very enthusiastic about taking and going into our culture. And I'm going to tell you this. When I was a young believer, I literally heard people preach this. I heard people talk about it. It comes right out of the Bible. I think it's Revelations 18, 4. Come out from among them unless you partake of their sin and you be destroyed with them. They were talking about the world. Come out. Get out of the world. There was a time when the church had this whole up thing. Come out of the world. And so here's what the world did. Oh, or the devil. Okay. You don't want to be in the world? You don't want to influence the world? I'll do it. We left the void out there. We left the void in the world. We weren't the light and salt because we were thinking uh, left behind. Remember left behind? I mean, listen, entertaining at best. But tell you the truth, it's not really good theology. The whole thing was about God is going to come back and snatch away the believers and the world's going to be bad and mess up and you don't need to be a part of that. I'm just, y'all, some of y'all might not know about that. But we had that kind of mindset uh, back in those days. We had that kind of mindset. And we, we created this void in the world and the world got filled with something else. And today, we're reaping this. We're reaping the benefits of what my generation and probably the generation before me, because it all started with this guy named Darby who came up with this thing called dispensational theology. Y'all might know about old Darby, right? Schofield Bible. Anybody ever heard us back when we used to read Bibles? There's one called Schofield. It had all that stuff in there. And there were some good things in some of that, but it had to, he pushed that thing really hard that people bit into to withdraw themselves from the world and huddle up, okay, because Jesus is going to come back soon. Don't go. Literally, I heard people say, don't waste your time going to college. Talking to young people of my day, I was one of them. While I was in college, I was here. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be You know what the Lord did? He saved me from all that. He gave me a scripture one night because I was hearing all this stuff. Withdraw because God is going to come. Jesus is going to come back anytime. You just need to withdraw into the church world. You know, that was what was taught us. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Is this making any sense? Withdraw into that world, and the Lord gave, I asked the Lord about it, and there's a scripture in Corinthians where it says, remain in the calling in which you're called. In other words, whatever state of life you're in, stay there, because I was going to quit school. I was going to resign from school because I'm a Christian. Christians don't need to be in this evil School system. You know? We don't we need to get out of Babylon. That's what they were telling us. I was going to get out. And God said, No, you stay right there. I'm glad he did. They could have been mad. Are y'all following this? Well, I left a lot of information out for you. But here's my, my point is, is we have God wants to add something to us. Okay? He He is saying, Yeah, He's in the revival. He's in the renewal of the saints. He's also in to this other thing. He's in for us not just having an outpouring of the Spirit, but having an outworking of the Spirit. Okay? 
we teach our kids, God loves you, God cares about God, we embrace them, we want to cuddle them, you know, we need to do that, but we also try to equip them for life, to go do with life what they're supposed to do. And that's how God does with us. And in the past few years, this may not be speaking to some of you. I hope it is. In the past few years, there has been an arising of teaching about taking your cities for God. Right? About being salt and light, being influential. I'll just finish with this. Yeah, the seven mountains is one of them. It really is. And those are things that God's using now to help the church. Not to stop being the church. Not stop being touched by God and embraced by God and getting healed and delivered. But to add that to your life. Because that's where the go is. That's where God's heart wants to go. He, he not only wants to create a family and expand the family, He wants to touch the culture. He really wants to touch our world. He wants us to not only get filled with the Spirit, He wants us to release the Spirit into the atmosphere of the world. God wants to do that. That's what I'm going to say the Acts. Do that. If you'll do that, you'll be accelerated. If you'll do that, it's not just you get accelerated when you get immersed in the Spirit. You're going to get accelerated when you do what God called you to do. You know, when you, when you step out and let the Spirit move through you, and it's not no longer just about you and your little world and your little anointing and your little experience. There's something greater that God's after. And I don't think I'm doing a good job of saying it. I'm just going to tell you, if you get close to His heart, that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear this thing in Him. That's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear that. He's just as concerned about what's going on in our government as we are. He's more concerned. But he's looking for people. That's what he's looking for. He really is. And here's how you do it, though. Well, forget it. I can't do it. I just can't do this. There's a we need the Holy it's the, all of them, it's the Holy Spirit. That's the problem. If I had to tell you anything, we can't figure this out. Because I'm saying, well, how, what am I supposed to do? Well, well, this is what you need to do, Byron. You need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over. Because if you are, it's the last thing that Jesus said before he went to heaven. Get immersed in the Holy Spirit, and you will be a witness. Justice. Because you will have this encounter with me, and when you have this encounter with me, then you can do all this. But if you go out and try to just do all that, forget it. It's a joke. You can't do it. I can't do it. But the Holy Spirit will make you into a witness. That's His job. That's what He wants to do for the church. Amen. Yeah. All right.